what a weird dream, right? Pharaoh said, I have no idea what this threat meant. Once again, remember, in the, in the ancient times, as well as you know, recent times in Korea, right? Dreams are not just dreams, right? Dreams are like, like communication from the other world, revealing the secret things of life, right? Ancient Egyptians believe it, old Korean women believe it. Dreams are not just dreams, they're communication from the beyond. Pharaoh thinks that there's some secret thing, secret message that needs to be decoded from these dreams. Because this, these dreams are so vivid and strange, there must be something to them. So Pharaoh says, I want to know what these dreams are. So he summoned his magicians, the wizards, if you will, the, you know, the Dumbledores and the Doctor Stranges of his council. Right? He summoned Doc, Dumbledore, Doctor Strange, what other, Gandalf, right? For all the nerds out there, right? He summons all of his magicians, wise and powerful, to interpret his dreams. And these guys says, I don't know. Oh, forget you. He summons all the well-learned, the Harvard PhDs, the Caltech PhDs, right? The Princeton PhDs. Come together, told them this dream. What does this dream mean? They go, I don't know. No one could tell them what the dream meant. Then the cupbearer, remember the cupbearer, the guy who forgot about Joseph said, I know a guy, and the guy was Joseph. So the king brings Joseph out of prison and says, Joseph, interpret my dreams for me. And this is an interesting thing that Joseph said. What did Joseph say? He says, I cannot do it. I think it's not false modesty. It's not false humility. It's, he's not saying, oh, I'm a loser. I don't know. That's not what he's saying. He says, as a man, I cannot interpret these dreams for you. But who can? He says, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. What Joseph is saying, there is no man in the world that can reveal the mystery, God's mystery to Pharaoh besides God. There is no human being that could tell Pharaoh the things of God besides God himself. In order for Pharaoh to understand, God has to reveal the secret things to Pharaoh. And my dear friends, that is what the gospel message is all about. Look, there are many things that human beings in, in our science and engineering can figure out. Right? There are many things that men through science and engineering and, 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 and ingenuity can figure out. They can, right? For example, like this week, out of the, I fell into YouTube rabbit hole one day on Monday on Labor, Memorial Day because that's what Memorial Day is for, for YouTube rabbit holes. And in the YouTube rabbit hole that I, I don't know how I ended up there, they say there's a, like they gave me the benefit of blueberries and kale. If you eat blueberries and kale every day, it's really good for you. They figured it out. So you know what I did? I got blueberry and kale and I blend it up and I drink it every day. Men have the ability to find out the benefits of blueberry and kale. Fantastic. Men have the ability to, well, 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 men have the ability to figure out photosynthesis, right? 
like my daughter was in the photo since this is kicked back when she was in fourth grade. Photo, she, the man could figure out why the, how the plants and, you know, the, the, you know, green things in the world, they grow. Men can figure out how the human heart works. Men can create iPhones. Fantastic. There are many things that men and women can do. In fact, we're so beside ourselves. We think we're so smart. We think we can, we can eventually figure everything out, right? That some men think they don't need God anymore. The great three great atheists, right, modern atheists, this guy named Richard Dawkins, right? He's an he's a evolutionary biologist. The guy named Sean Carroll, which is a, he's a quantum astrophysicist. And the guy named um, Lawrence Krauss, I think he's also an astrophysicist. These are really smart guys. And what these three dudes have in common is they're all atheists. And they're atheists because they, they're saying, you know what? We figured it out. We don't need God. To, we don't need God. They're atheists. We don't need God anymore because we have figured out the secret of life. Richard Dawkins is saying, because of evolution, we figured out that we have an explanation of creation. Therefore, we don't need God anymore. Lawrence Krauss is saying, we figured out in, in, like, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in, in through physics, right? The mathematical equation of how something can come out of nothing. Therefore, we don't need God. They say, I don't, we don't need God because we know everything. Really? Do you really know everything? Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, Sean Carroll, do we really know everything? Do you really know, really know the mysteries of, 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 of life? Science can tell you how the cell works. But science can't tell you why it works the way it does. Medical science and all these innovations cannot, may tell you how the cell seems to work but they can't tell you why it works that way. Quantum physicists can say, yeah, quantum physics seems to be true because it works, but quantum physicists will say they have no idea how it works. Am I boring you? All right, let's do something more fun. Scientists say, oh, I figured out everything, but they can't figure out morality. They can't figure out morality. They can't figure out why is hurting children evil. There is no scientific explanation of morality. They can't figure out why we shouldn't hurt children. They can't figure out why we shouldn't murder. They can't figure out why, why, you know, why lying is evil. They can't figure it out. There's no explanation to morality. There's no explanation of consciousness. They can't explain consciousness. The great physicist, uh, Roger Penrose, he says, we can figure out whether a mathematical equation is true, right? We can figure out theories of general relativity is true. We can figure that one out because we can observe the effects of it. But this is interesting. He says, but we cannot prove how we understand that this theory of general relativity is true. Simply, he says, we may figure out, we may know that 1 plus 1 equals 2, because we can see the effects of it. But he says, 
we can't figure out how we understand one plus one equals two. Isn't that interesting? Am I the only one who, who geeks out? Penrose, the most renowned physicist in the world, says it is impossible for us to measure our understanding, how we understand things. We can't measure it. We can't measure our consciousness, he says. There are many things that you and I simply do not understand. There are many things even the most brilliant mind in the world simply cannot know and understand. The most important, life-shifting, life-changing truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, cannot be understood until God himself reveals it to you. There are many things that we do not know, especially we do not know the veracity, the truthfulness of the gospel until God himself reveals it to you. Just like Pharaoh could not understand his dream until God revealed it to him through Joseph, we cannot understand the most fundamental, most, the most brilliant of truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, until God reveals it to you. There, there's this English-British pastor named Vaughn Roberts. And in an interview, he says, I confess, he, he confessed to the inter interviewer that he had same-sex attractions. And the interviewer asked him, does that make you, then are you a homosexual? Are you a gay Christian? He says, no. Even though I may have same-sex attractions, that doesn't make me gay. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He says, I don't associate myself with my, what I'm attracted to, to. I define myself in terms of who my God is. He says, I don't act according to my desires. Because he says, I really do believe that Jesus Christ is God. I really, really do believe that he died for me. I really, really do that, believe that he free, I, I, am made, I am cleansed and I am made righteous because he died for me. I really, really do believe that he's Lord. And I really, really, really do believe that he's going to come again. He's saying he doesn't identify himself according to his sexual desires or whatever. Because Jesus Christ is true. The world tells him to define himself based on his sexuality. He says, I don't define myself that way. I define myself in regards to the reality of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate reality in Von Roberts' life because, because God has revealed that truth to Von Roberts. The only way the Von Roberts could see Jesus Christ is true, so true to the point where he just forsake his sexuality, is because God revealed it to him. There are many Christians who think that they really believe in the gospel because they were taught it at a young age. They grew up with it. Sunday school teachers downstairs teach us that. 
Youth pastors, cool youth pastors. Teach us that. You know those cool youth pastors with trendy haircuts and tight clothing? They tell you Jesus Christ is true. And you think, okay, maybe Jesus Christ is true. But unless God reveals the veracity of that truth to you, you will never know that it is true. Is Jesus Christ really, really, really God? Is Jesus Christ really, really, really Lord? Is Jesus Christ, did Jesus Christ really, really, really die for you? Did Jesus Christ really, really, really make you clean? Did Jesus Christ really, really make you righteous in the sight of God? Do you know this truth? I can't reveal it to you. Only God can reveal it to you. Do you understand? A lot of people try to do Christianity without being convinced by the gospel. That's what, and if, if, you, if you're trying to do Christianity without being really convinced by the gospel, it becomes a weird religion. It does. It just becomes weird. It becomes a religion of no sex. It becomes a religion of no smoking. It becomes a religion of if I just serve God on Sunday, I'm going to go to heaven. It becomes a weird religion, a lifeless religion. Unless God reveals the truth of the gospel to you. No man can reveal that truth to you. He can use a guy like me to help to reveal it to you. But it's only he who reveals it to you. Guys, how true is the gospel to you? Every Saturday night at 1 a.m. in the morning, I pray for you for Sunday worship service. I don't know why, but I always end up praying at 1 a.m. in the morning on Saturdays. I don't know why. But my prayer is exactly what Joseph said. Lord, I cannot reveal this truth to them. I cannot reveal this truth to them. It's only you can, Lord. And I'm not being false humble here because I'm not a humble guy. That's my son. It's not false humility that I pray this prayer. It is because it's the absolute truth. How true is the gospel to you? Is your Christianity like a weird religious Christianity? Or is it life-giving, life-transforming power? You know? So, Joseph reveals, so Joseph tells the Pharaoh, you know, where, where are we? Then Pharaoh, in verses 17 to, um, 24, right? Pharaoh explains the dream to Joseph. And this is what the dream meant. The seven cows symbolizes seven years of prosperity. Right? Seven years, for seven years, the land of Egypt will have a harvest like no other. Right? Seven years, Israel is going to get fat. What's the, what's, the young, like, what's the young people's term for great? Gucci? I don't know. Seven years, you're going to be Gucci. Is that, is that 
circa 2010, I don't know what the young people say. For seven years, you're, you're going to get fat, yo. The land's going to get fat. That's what the seven, year, seven healthy cows and seven healthy grains symbolizes. The seven ugly cows and the seven ugly grains symbolizes the seven years of famine that's going to follow the seven years of prosperity. For seven years, it's going to get fat, and the next seven, it's going to get hard. It's going to get super hard, super lean, super famine. That's what's going to happen. That's what the dream meant, Pharaoh. And God has told you, God has communicated this to you in a dream, Pharaoh, because Joseph said in verse, is it verse 32? Because, 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 in verse 32, God has decided to do it, and God will do it soon. Seven fat years and seven lean years are going to happen because God has determined to do it, and whatever he plans to do it, he will do it soon. God has given Pharaoh that dream to humble Pharaoh. Once again, Pharaoh was the emperor of the most advanced civilization in the world for three millennia, as Sean Kim told me. For 3,000, is it 3,000? For 3,000 years, the kingdom of Egypt was the place, right? And Pharaoh's kings who ruled that modern civilization thought there were no human beings. There were, they, they were no ordinary human beings. They thought they were God. But God made Pharaoh dream that dream to humble him. Pharaoh, you think you're a king? You think you're a god? You're not God. The real God is going to bring about this to happen. Everything. One of the main themes of the life of Joseph that we come back to over and over again is this. Everything happens just the way that God has planned it, just the way God has intended it. You cannot stop God. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you are pleased with it or not, whether you think it's right or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you agree with the timing or not, whether you agree with the justice or not, whether, it, whether, whether God acts in accordance to your expectation or not, that doesn't matter a hill of beans. God will do exactly what he will do, and no one can question it. Isaiah 45, it says, I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. Listen to me carefully. I bring prosperity, and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Woe to you, woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but posters, I don't know what posters, posters are, among the posters of the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? This is what the Lord says. The Holy One of Israel and its maker Concerning things to come, do you question me 
about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own, ha- my own hands stretched out to the heavens. God is saying in Isaiah 45, I am God. I create prosperity. I also create disasters. And no one can question me. Can a clay question his maker saying, what are you doing? No. Whether you agree with God or not, it doesn't matter. Sounds harsh. But that's what God is saying here in Isaiah 45. Pharaoh, you thought you were king. You thought you were God. You thought all things revolve around you. You're wrong. I will give plenty, God will give plenty to Egypt. God will also give a severe famine to Egypt where people could suffer. God will do this, Pharaoh. I want you to have a grander, bigger idea of God. He's not your your Sunday school best friend, as so many youth pastors tell you that he is. He's not your therapist. He's not your genie wish God. He's not Santa Claus. He doesn't exist just to make your dreams and make your life comfortable in this world. That's superstition. The Bible declares that God controls all things. Do you know how precisely the universe is designed? Do you know how pristine it is for reality to exist? Out of chaos, out of nothing, the universe exploded. And after the explosion, glory, beauty, life happens in it. Do you know the probability of Something so pristine and great coming out of nothing. The probability of something great coming out of nothing, it's like they say, it's like, you know, marking one quarter, have, take one quarter and mark the tail, the back end, of, uh, 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 you know, make the back end of it black, right? Like two faces quarter, right? One face is George Washington, the other is, you know, the eagle, eagle side is black. Have that one quarter with that, you know, marked backside. There's one quarter that exists. And then you dump all the quarters, right, and line up all the regular quarters, like surround, like, and it covers enough quarters to cover the state of Texas, right? And place that marked quarter randomly anywhere. The probability of something coming out of nothing is like guessing that one quarter lies in a certain place and getting it right a million times. The probability of you and I existing in a complex, marvelous way is that astronomically improbable. Even Richard Dawkins, the great atheist, is saying, if I was ever ever a Christian, I would be convinced because of the fine-tuning argument of the universe. 
the universe is fine-tuned because the universe has designed by a great mind. And that mind is Jesus Christ. Doug Wilson, the great theologian, says, the universe is not made up of just randomly banging, clanging atoms. The universe is a spiritual place where things flow, where things are created, when things appear and disappear, like a symphony, like an ordered symphony. The universe has a consciousness. And that consciousness is the mind of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mind that holds all things together, Colossians 2 says. The universe Jesus Christ, who created all things, who sustains all things, is involved in this world. And everything happens the way he, he plans it. The miracles that Jesus has that Jesus done in this world testifies to this reality. Jesus Christ controlled the storm. Remember the story where he controlled the storms? Jesus Christ healed the sick. Jesus Christ resurrected the dead Lazarus. All these miracles point to the fact that the natural order of things are created by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one who, who died for you, is the one that controls nature. We are not in control, Pharaoh. Jesus, Joseph, is, God is telling Pharaoh, God is. Do you have that reverence for Jesus Christ? Is he just a silly little Sunday school lesson for you? Or is he that grand, sovereign, creator, sustainer of all things? Have a bigger view of Jesus Christ, y'all. So, Joseph interprets the dream to Pharaoh. And Joseph also gives Pharaoh the plan. He says, all right, seven years of plenty are coming, as well as seven years of famine. Therefore, we can plan for the coming future. Because we know what will come in the next 14 years. Because we are sure. Because God told us what will come in the next 14 years. We can prepare for the next 14 years. How do you prepare? Number one, select a wise man who can oversee the entire process. Okay? Also, select regional committees. What a practical-minded plan, right? Select regional committees to execute the plan that we make. Right? Have, a, have one leader and then committees. Right? Like pastors and deacons. Right? Like one, one leader and then committees. And then this is what we're going to do. We're going to tax 20% of the grain. Anyone who's ever made grain, we're going to tax it. We're going to collect it. We're going to store it for seven years. Every year, we're going to give people 20% tax. We're going to collect their grain. We're going to store up in the, king's, in the pharaoh's you know, container box or whatever. And we're going to store it for seven years. So that after seven years, when the famine comes, we can use our reserves to sustain us for the next seven years during the famine. 
How smart is this? This is so smart, isn't it? Right? We know the coming future, therefore prepare. God gave Joseph a very practical wisdom of how to deal with the coming future. Side note, God not only gives you insight to the spiritual realities of life, he also gives you very practical wisdom. If you seek it, he'll give you practical wisdom of how to live your everyday life. He really does. His insights are not only reserved for spiritual matters, but he really does you give insights of how to deal with the everyday concerns of life. God gives practical wisdom. He really does. And trust me, I need practical wisdom this week. I have a major project that I'm in charge of, and this is like really important this week. If I, if I, if it's no bueno, oh man, I'm going to be in big trouble. And I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, and you need to pray for practical wisdom so I can do this project. Second thing that I'm going to do this week, I'm a manager now. I have people, I have a team of people who report to me. And there's a HR issue among the team members. There's like a rebellion in the team. And I need, I need to deal with it. I hate being a manager. I love being a lawyer, but I hate being a manager. I need to deal with them, deal with the manager issues this week. And I need practical wisdom. And I know God will give me practical wisdom. This time next week, I will tell you what kind of wisdom God gave me. But he really does give you practical wisdom to live your life. James says, if you, those of you lack wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. And that includes practical wisdom of how to live your days. To make your jobs more exciting, ask for wisdom. Don't complain, don't suffer, you know. Don't, don't just like, you know, don't, don't, just don't want to quit and send your resumes out because you can't handle it. Before sending your resumes out and you want to quit, ask God for practical wisdom. That's how you find fulfillment in your work, y'all. Second principle that we can get. Not only, first principle, God gives you practical wisdom. Second principle, it's not a bad thing to financially prepare for your future, right? We know for sure that we will retire one day. Not me and Sean. Sean and me, we're going to, we said, we're going to work on the day we die. Sean and I, we're going to be baristas after we retire, right? But besides Sean and me, if you're a normal folk, if you don't want to work like Sean and I for the rest of, our, rest of our lives, you need to save up money so that you can retire. Because you know for sure there is one day, a day, there's a day coming where they no longer will want you around. I'm under no illusion that there's a one day coming where you will tell me, you're too old, PJ. Right? You got you to gotta leave for the young guy, like June. June, I'm talking to you. <gasps> So there's a reality is that, that I will retire one day, or I'll be forced to retire one day, and therefore, I need to save money for retirement. It's true. So let's max out our 401k contributions, right? 
It's a wise thing to financially prepare for the future. It is. God bless Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, the Christian financial guy, he says, we should all have, save up at least six months of cash reserves. Six months of cash reserves to cover six months of just necessities. Have a cash reserve in case something happens. And that's not a bad, that's not, that's not a bad idea. Prepare for the un- inevitable. Right? Sean's getting said, right, Sean? Sean Stark, right? It's not a bad thing to prepare for the future. What is a bad thing is if you don't know clearly what your future is. Your future is not when you stop working in this world. That's not the end point of your future. The end point of your future is when you appear before the Lord and when he will ask you how you have lived. Most people prepare for the retirement in this world. You and me, our lives are beyond our retirement age. All of us, every single one of us, will go before the Lord and we'll have to give account of how we lived in this world. Jesus says, do not lay yourself up treasures of this world, but work for the treasures of, treasures, treasures of kingdoms, treasures of, treasures of the kingdom of God. Treasures of this world, moth will eat, it will rust. It's temporary. It doesn't mean anything. Jay Bezos can have a $100 million yacht. But when Jeff Bezos dies, what's, who's, going to take, who's going to own the $100 million yacht? We don't know. It's going to fade away. Live for things that are eternal. Your short life in this world, like I said during the, call of, during the prayer of confession, your short life here is to live in preparation for the eternal, for the day where you go before the Lord. The purpose of your short life here is to prepare yourself yourself on the day when you appear before the Lord. Because he will ask you what you have done. Are you prepared for that day? You and I are under the illusion that we're going to live forever. Even though people around us are dying all the time. We think that's not going to happen to us. Death is not going to get me. Get over yourself. You will die. He will return or you will die. One thing will happen. One thing, two things. One or the other will definitely happen within your lifetime. You will die or he will appear. Truly, are you ready? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Is Jesus Christ really, really, really God to you? Is he really, really Lord to you? Is he really, really, did, did he really, really pay for your sins? Did he really, really make you clean? And are you really, really right before God because of Jesus? Do you really believe in this? Do you believe in this? Has God revealed this to you? If not, I don't, you're not ready. Whether it takes failure or whether it either takes success, God will need to take you to places so that he will reveal this paramount truth to you. The reality and the truthfulness of Jesus Christ. Before it's too late, is Jesus Christ really, really real to you? Second thing that you prepare for your future. Have you lived the way he taught? Have you lived the way he told you to live? Are you living the way he wants you to live? Jesus Christ didn't say, oh, do whatever you want. After I saved you, do whatever you want. That's not how he says. He has told you what to do. Are you living the way that he wants you to live? How do you want, how does he want you to live? Are you constantly surrounding yourself in truth? And are you giving yourself in love? Truth and love. Are you living truth and love? Get over the idea. That because, you, because you raised your hand when Jesus, someone asked you who wants to accept Jesus in your heart. And that just because you raised your hand, that he's, he's not going to ask you what you have done anymore. That's a childish, superstitious thinking. That's not biblical. In the parable of the ten talents, Jesus will tell the servant who has done nothing with their lives, you are a lazy servant. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you prepared? Are you living the way he wants you to live? Look, there's this Christian writer named Tim Chalice, right? Tim Chalice had a son named Nick Chalice. And Nick Chalice was 20 years old when he died. Nick, he was under, he was, he was very under Christian dad, but he wanted to make the Christian faith his own. He realized he couldn't inherit his dad's faith, that he needed, God is calling him to, for an individual faith. So he searched the scriptures when he was a teenager and he found living faith in Jesus Christ. And he wanted to be a pastor. He went to a, in college, he went to a program that gives you a bachelor's degree and a seminary degree in five years. He was starting his school to be a pastor. And he wanted to devote himself life to God. Last November, when he was 20 years old, he was playing soccer. And instantaneously, he fell and he died. He had a heart attack. Tim Chalice, his dad, wrote an article about his son, wrote a letter, published a letter he wrote to his son. He said, I'm so proud of you, my son. For you ran hard for the Lord. 
He said, I searched your internet history after you died. And I'm glad to see that your private life was consistent with your public declaration. I am so proud of you. In Nick's tombstone, his dad wrote, Nick Chalice, he finished the race for God. If his earthly father is so proud of him, how much do you think his heavenly father would be proud of him? I think Nick was prepared. Are you prepared? He can say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do my quiet time tomorrow. I'll serve more tomorrow. I'll give more money to the church when I get a full-time job. What? Yeah, it's fine. One person said, you know, after I retire, me and my wife are going to missions. And I said, that's fine. But God, more than God caring about whether you're going to missions when you retire, is do you obey God now? Are you prepared? Your fate can change instantaneously. And that's what we're going to study two weeks from now. Your fate can literally change instantaneously. Joseph's fate changed literally instantaneously. Nick Chalice's fate changed literally instantaneously. Are you prepared? Let's pray.